This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett. Welcome back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. Today I'm joined by Tiffany Meyer. Did I get that right, Tiffany? Is it Meyer? Yes, thanks for checking. But I I just call you Tiffany from here on out, if that's okay with you, ma'am. Totally fine. All right, Tiffany's a New York-based reporter and the host of NTD's China in Focus, some an issue that I speak on quite a bit, actually. NTD was founded in 2001 right, by um, practitioners of the Falun Gong New Religious Movement, and they cover a wide range of topics and issues happening within China as well as the U.S. Do I say that right? Is it Falun Gong? Is that close? Yes. Yes. Right, no, that's yeah. perfect. All right. Tiffany, I want to thank you for joining me on Tennessee Talks. It's great to have you on the show. Um, how do you view the, view the Biden administration's policies towards China? And do you think that uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's recent trip uh, was, a, was a flop, or do you think it accomplished anything? Well, it's an honor to be here. And I think with the Biden administration, it was a little surprising because a lot of people were expecting kind of a reversal of Trump's policies. But when it came to China, it seems Biden has kept that tough talk on China. But in terms of policies, it's a little bit different of a message because there's this focus on climate, this focus on becoming carbon neutral. But that means we're more reliant on China. China, because right now China dominates that sector for, say, lithium ion, the batteries we need in the EV electric vehicles. There's also a lot about cobalt, which is dominated in the Congo, the Republic of Congo and Africa, but most of that's owned by Chinese companies. And so it seems we're, you know, more and more reliant on China while saying that this is going to help the U.S. become more independent. <laughs> but also with that, it's kind of we've moved away from human rights in a way. There is that forced labor Uyghur Labor Prevention Act, but now in the face of needing these green energies, these solar panels coming out of China, we've seen a relaxation on tariffs there. So it's kind of a mixed bag of messages coming out of the Biden administration on that front. In terms of Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit, honestly, that was a sign of optics-wise, a sign of weakness right. of America. And it's not just China watching. It's also the allies. You have Antony Blinken saying, oh, the U.S. has never stood for Taiwan independence. Well, that may be true. You don't really say that, right? Because under U.S. Yeah. law, the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, we are bound, the U.S. is bound by law to help Taiwan defend itself. And giving that kind of message could just embolden China to be like, oh, look, this was always ours. There's no need to interfere in what they call internal affairs. So, And then also you have Secretary, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who was given the cold shoulder recently in Shangri-La. And like all this focus on talk, right? You have a lot of administration officials, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen recently saying, oh, we're talking about de-risk, not decoupling. China doesn't really care about talks. They care about actions. And immediately you see them going after U.S. companies in China, raiding the offices of due diligence firms like Mintz, Group and Bain and Co. That's a different message than what we're seeing spoken in the U.S. Uh, I tweeted on that that very thing. Uh, I thought that did send a wrong message verbally um, to the world and to Taiwan and to China. I thought it was um, those were ill prepared remarks, but that's just one of 435. 
Um, how do you think the U.S. continues its commitment with Ta with China without provoke? I mean, um, I'm sorry, with Taiwan without provoking China. Um, you know, everything is everything is couched, every word. You know, and you're worried about what China says, and I really don't care what China says. I know what they think. I mean, I think we showed it. Uh, during that balloon exercise that flew over our country, it transversed from uh, from west to east and turned around some and went back over some areas of missile defense systems and some of our military installations and things like that. I thought, um, you know, the the, um, the the information they gathered, I thought, was secondary to what China gathered from our our response to that and the political response show that we are really we don't i feel like we're compromised at some level the chinese are in everything we've got they're in our research institutions they're in our colleges and our campuses and our schools and um and some would argue that they're in our white house so i have some real concerns there they're at least in the white in the son of the president if not the president's pocket so i'm concerned about that but how, how do you think we should move ahead without maybe so much provoking uh, china i think in terms of taiwan we do have the taiwan relations act which is our law that we have to help the island defend itself we've seen some movements in that area right kind of moving forward with arms sales weapons for taiwan there's now some special forces stationed there more than before i think they've always been there we just never really said that but there could be more in terms of some experts I've talked to. There's a lot in the cyber world. We saw recently the U.S. Navy was hacked in Guam. And Guam would be key to the U.S. defense of Taiwan if it came to that. Right. I think ultimately a lot of it is still talk and actions. If the U.S. says, whatever you do, we will stop it. Because Taiwan is actually very critical for the U.S., not just the U.S., but also the West, right? There's the economic part. The Taiwan Strait has a lot of international trade that goes through those, those waters. It's very strategic military as well because it's part of what's known as the first island chain, including South Korea, Japan, down to the Philippines and right. Malaysia that blocks off China's military from getting into the Pacific, getting to, say, Hawaii and then the Western continental U.S., but also ideologically, right, because Taiwan is a democratic country, or if you don't want to call it a country, a nation that uses democratic principles and kind of proves, disproves Xi Jinping or China's idea that the Chinese people can only be governed by a communist ideology, whereas you have these 24 million people in Taiwan living free and by these principles. And so kind of those three factors combined. And I think China or Beijing has been watching very closely in terms of Ukraine and seeing that response. They also were watching really closely in terms of Afghanistan. And now they're trying to see with, say, the recent visit by Secretary Blinken, like, oh, where can, how much can we push? Where can we get away right. with? And as you mentioned, there's that infiltration. Some cyber experts I've spoken with in the past say, what they're really concerned with is China could black out all of the communications to the point that the world wouldn't be aware of a Taiwan invasion until it's over. And so that would be the most dangerous yeah. part. Okay. What do the Chinese people, not the not their government officials, or what do they think about America? I, I wonder because of the government-controlled media and just them not getting any side of the story, but the one 
that the government, the propagandists put out. Well, I think with that too, you have also a mixed bag because there are a lot of people who grew up in that society who only get that type of message, that type of spiel where America is the enemy, Americans are the worst, and they're trained. You see those videos coming out of China of like basically kindergartners learning how to arm guns and trying to you know, kill Americans. It's always America is the enemy. You do have parts of the population that do think that way. You could say they have been brainwashed. They believe that wholeheartedly. They really believe the party is the answer and that America is a threat. But then you also have the other camps, maybe more faith-based people who question the party, who experience firsthand the persecution. You have that in terms of house Christians, right? China says, oh, we have religions, we have churches, we have our own popes who aren't sanctioned by the Vatican, right? <laughs> you have all these versions, but in those Chinese state-run churches, you have maybe Jesus or God's picture on the wall, and then you have Xi Jinping's picture also there, right? right. And then you have the Bible, that's their version, and then you have other Christians who want to actually read the real Bible and study underground, and then they're persecuted. You also have, say, the Uyghur Muslims, and then you have another huge group, the Falun Gong. So you do have a lot of people who have access to VPNs or ways of getting information, not just from the state-run who have a different idea of the U.S. And actually, in terms of the NTD's sister media, the Epoch Times, you have people like that. So these people were or are Falun Gong practitioners. They were persecuted in China. They fled to the States. They came here. They're like, oh, America is free country, free everything. It's going to be great. They looked at all the newspapers. They're like, oh, they must know what's happening in China. And they saw everything that was the same as the state-run media line being printed here and they were like right. how can that be this is america so they started their own company the epoch times and it's grown since then um, and so that's kind of the power of america so you do see instances of that where people do question it and they are able to get that information and come up with their own opinions of things but it is a mixed bag well what about the human rights abuses you touched on that um, that are happening right now in China, maybe like in um, Xinjiang or any of the other areas? Well, with that, I think it comes down to the Chinese Communist Party, right? So it's it rules in fear and it needs control. Mm -hmm. And so to the party, faith is the biggest damaging thing to it because it's believing in something that's not the party, something they can't control. And so I think the biggest persecution campaign by far would be that on the Falun Gong practitioners. So this was actually promoted by the Chinese regime back in the early 90s because it had some great, say, spiritual or health benefits. And so the statement media was really promoting it. And it got so popular, there's about 100 million people practicing this. And their tenets are truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. And it has some, like, meditative exercises kind of like right. yoga or tai chi but that 100 million was more than the members of the communist party and so in 1999 jiang zemin decided oh no this is a threat and decided to have this nationwide persecution clamp down but actually a lot of party members also practice it so there's a lot of party members being like don't do this like we have our own benefits from it what these are good people it's helping society less people are getting sick all these different things and Jiang Zemin was, you could say, he was afraid that the party, 
there's actually no political aims in all of these faith groups, right? But for right. him, he was like, no, 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 this is a threat to the party. And so that persecution is continuing now. And part of that included what's known as forced organ harvesting. So China in general doesn't have a culture of or organ donation. Right. But after this persecution started, you had some doctors from outside looking at why is China suddenly the hotspot for organ tourism? Why do they have so many transplants happening? Where are they getting them? And China's like, oh, you know, we have a lot of donors suddenly, or oh, these are death row people. But then you have doctors calling them and finding out that these are actually Falun Gong practitioners who are sent to jail for their faith. And you could say that the world didn't act, right? And so now it's moved on to the Uyghur group. And now a lot of Uyghurs are also being organ harvested in the Xinjiang region. And that is getting some more attention. Ethan Gutman wrote The Slaughter. He now is focusing a lot on the Uyghurs as well. And so with the Uyghurs, it's because they're an ethnic minority and China, the Chinese Communist Party wants to really squash anything that it can't control again. And so it's trying to go into, say, Tibet and make sure everyone there only learns Han or Mandarin Chinese. And then in same with the Xinjiang region. And so anything that it can't control, it tries to change. And it's okay. quite sad, too. Look, let me get to the next one here. I'm, I'm afraid we're going to run out of time that we're allotted on this thing. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot in, in this country and had conversations this morning with some federal pilks about the infiltration of the Chinese, whether it be through TikTok, um, surveillance facilities in Cuba, um, buying up American farmland, owning portions of oil wells off our coast to monitor our ingress and egress. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, some of the infiltration of China into America. Well, as you mentioned, there's TikTok that's been making the headlines a lot. And the concern there, we have Forbes that recently came out with a piece saying that the TikTok CEO could have committed perjury or lying under oath to Congress because he was saying, oh, you know, American user data isn't stored in China. Turns out it is. It is. Uh, they're trying to make this argument that, oh, no, that question was about, you know, this and this was about <laughs> content creators and all their financial information. So there's those issues. It's not just the data itself, but the kind of messages that are coming because TikTok has a special algorithm that pushes information at you and if you watch it too long the algorithm decides you like it and so we're seeing you know rise in suicides or mental health sure. in especially teenagers I, I, yeah i think a lot of it has to in the, the transgender movement among these kids it's a um i think they're that's uh, part of they know the kids are susceptible to that kind of suggestion and they're making those suggestions through that i think that is why we're seeing a huge well, maybe not a huge, but but an increase in that. That they take some of our most vulnerable citizens, some of our children, and then um, and then their parents acquiesce to all of it, thinking that they're supposed to be, uh, um, you know, they're it's their parental rights to literally butcher their children. And um, and so I yeah, I think we've got a real problem with that, and that's uh, especially with TikTok. So. Uh, and I don't know, you know, and it too in our our research institutions, our colleges and universities, and they are just full of spies, literally. <laughs> we've got, we've proven it. And yet um, these colleges and universities, they're so hung up on the dollars 
I mean, it's like an addict needing another fix, and that's and they just relinquish all forms of reason, and they they go with the communist Chinese, and we do the research, and they steal the product. I think especially in terms of the infiltration, it ties into what's known as unrestricted warfare or winning without fighting. I think in America, often we view warfare as conventional warfare, so tanks, guns, all that kind of jazz. But with unrestricted warfare, you do everything so that the enemy collapses without you having to fire a single shot. And so as you mentioned, with, say, TikTok, these different apps, it's targeting the youth it's destroying this section of society. You have the fentanyl pouring in. Most of that traces back to China, Wuhan, actually, the precursors, and they make their way to Mexico, where they're in, say, the Sinaloa cartel that's then passed across the borders into the states. That's killing hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of Americans. And then you have everything, as you mentioned, elite capture through our institutions, our government officials, perhaps all the way up to the very top. And that's impacting policies and everything. So you have all these different things where a nation starts destroying itself from within and China or adversarial powers can just sit back and watch, you know, and then once it's the work is done, they come in and they pick up whatever's left and without having to start a conventional war. And that is the concern and that is the fear that we're seeing in a lot of areas, as you mentioned. And it's... um... It, the fear is real, and it, and we should be afraid. We should start demanding more from our government, and our colleges, and our universities, and our research institutions about providing that um, modicum of of security that would provide this country with a little more. Um, I, I just I can't I can't harp on it enough. I just feel like they've. Um, the the, uh, the 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 fox is watching the hen house, and that's that's really what they're doing. Well, ma'am, I thank you. We're about out of time, but let me ask you this: um, I always get to ask folks this, and this is the part I hate the most. And I always tell the the folks that I will edit this out if it's not pleasing to me. But no, just kidding. That'd be like state censored uh, media, and I don't want to be a part of that. But you get to ask me anything anything you want, and um, and you go right ahead. I guess continuing with kind of what we're talking about today, what does China mean to you then? Well, it goes a little deeper than and a little different. My father fought in the Pacific in the Second World War in the United States Marine Corps. He fought the Japanese all the way across the Pacific. Then they had to go to China. And uh, he thought it was a little ironic that he had to go to China to defend the Japanese because the Chinese, you know, war was over. They said, throw the guns down, the Chinese, they're trying to get the, the Japanese back to back to Japan, get them out of China. But uh, when dad was there, he actually had some limited combat with some against the Chinese communists. And he befriended a lot of the Chinese folks. And daddy, that was my dad's, you know, he talked about his biggest regret was that we turned China over to the communists. And I, I guess I, I see it from a different angle. And he would talk about how their, their plan is, is you know and i always say america wants their pizzas in 30 minutes or less and that's about our attention span and but the chinese they have a they have a plan it is a long-term plan and we don't understand that it's not within american way of thinking and um, and right now they're executing their plan to the t i mean this the balloons the um the gathering gathering of data with TikTok, the 
the influence they have in our economy um, and their use of the Belt and Road Initiative in Central America and other places in Africa and other places and our our total disregard for that. And um, and then we play ball with them over here by allowing environmental rules to be placed on what we would call rare earth minerals but that we can get out of the ground here. In some cases, we've had um, uh, mines that have been delayed over 20 years because of of different rules and different regulations. And if you dig deep enough, I'm pretty sure you'd find that the Chinese had some influence in that some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so um, I, I guess I just, um, I, they, they are our number one, th that and national debt is our number one <clears throat> and number two um, biggest threat. And I think they're interchangeable actually, I think because the Chinese hold so much of our debt and one day they're going to call that note due and we're going to be we're going to be stuck and we need to start realizing what they're up to and quit with uh, we just got to quit playing nice and we've got to start taking the gloves off and calling them out when we see it and you know covid you couldn't say anything you couldn't call it the wuhan virus because it was considered racist and that's nothing further from the truth and now we're finding out that they were they were responsible for it, which we knew they were all along. Um, the intelligence folks were telling us that, at least in Congress. Our national media, who is in bed with the Chinese, in my opinion, on a lot of occasions, is um, you know is is there too. But if you saw the abuse of the Uyghurs or any of these other people in another country, we'd be demanding trade, you know, cutting trade off. But because it's China, and we're addicted to the dollars or or the yen or whatever uh, that we can't. We can't cut it off and we want cheap products and we got to get away from that. And so I guess it's kind of multifaceted my understanding and, and distrust of the Chinese because it's come it's from a long time coming in my family. So I, I'm, but I'm completely, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it and just where we're at as a nation and, and how deep they are, their, their claws are into our country. So we've got to we've got to wake up but that's that's bad i'm sorry that's not an easy answer it's not a um a one-two kind of thing it's very it's very multifaceted as i said and and i'm afraid we're not uh, even in congress we're not really we'll talk the tough game but we're not willing to do what it takes so i guess that's where i'm at ma'am <laughs> i hope that didn't Hope that doesn't depress you, but I hope it enlightens you a little bit on on where I I feel some of our weaknesses are. But anyway, I want Tiffany. I want to thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. I want to thank you too for speaking out against the Chinese Communists and being willing to discuss the threats uh, that China pose to us in the world, frankly. And I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and I want to thank you all for joining me for another episode of Tennessee Talks. And we hope to have. Somebody, I don't know, we, we do, they just keep getting better and better. And so, Tiffany, thank you so much, ma'am. Congressman Burchett, it was my honor. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.